Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live. This is your host this morning, Father Jason Leffer. And, uh, you know, I... Father Gross, my, my sidekick, uh, is having some well-deserved time off today. So in order to make up for his absence, I had to, I had to bring in two other priests to help me this morning. So uh, my sidekick here on air is going to be Father Jeff Epler. Good morning. Good morning. And Father Epler, where, where are you the pastor of? I am the pastor of St. John the Evangelist in Grafton, North Dakota. And what else? Oh, and uh, Sacred Heart in Oakwood. Very <laughs> Can't good. forget our mission. Exactly, exactly. And, and Father Moan, you are the spiritual covering today. Here we are in your beautiful uh, parish boundaries of? Sacred Heart Catholic Church of Minto and St. Stanislaus Catholic Church in Warsaw. The Cathedral on the Prairie. You have some very beautiful churches here. Mm-hmm. And so uh, before we get into some kind of intimate details about making this a live, bro- lively broadcast, Father Epler, could you open us with a prayer this morning? Of course. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, you're awesome. We praise you and we glorify you for this gorgeous and just grace-filled day. We ask, Lord, that you send your graces and your blessings upon all those who are listening today. Lead and guide us here in the, in the studio and, uh, and all those who will be hearing your word and your, your goodness today, that you may draw them deeply in the hearts of Jesus and Mary and bless them in all their endeavors. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. And so Janelle has gotten Janelle Shanelak has gotten us in into this situation. The situation we're in is Beavers Cafe in Minto, North Dakota. Ooh. Janelle loves going remote. She loves going to the places throughout our over listening area. Recently, uh, Mike told me he said that we have a potential of two point five million listeners. Wow! In in uh, the the broadcast area, and so our voices are going out, and it's coming from Beavers Cafe, which we're going to have Beaver on the air a little bit later this morning. It's a fantastic story about how this all comes together, and um, but but Father Epler, before we jump in here, can you get our listeners a little bit? You have a what, what's your journey? How did you get here to be a priest? Where did you come from? Well, I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, actually, and I just got back from there. Got to visit my mom for a little bit for a few weeks. And then um, in college, I went down to Springfield, Missouri for to study art <laughs> and then had a conversion experience and, uh, and the call of the priesthood started developing. And so I joined an order, Society of Our Lady the Most Holy Trinity, and I was with them for the last 20 years as a missionary in, uh, in various countries and states. And then the Lord told me pretty much, hey, you need to join the Diocese of Fargo. I'm like, really? <laughs> I like, didn't expect that. And so I'm like, okay, Lord. And so here I am, joined diocese, and I am in Grafton, North Dakota. We are we are blessed to have you. the The, the word that's coming to me right now is incarnation, which maybe nobody's ever heard this, but it, if you hear the, know the word carnivore, 
means flesh eater, but incarnate means that Father Epler is in the Diocese of Fargo in his flesh. In the flesh, my friends, and lots of flesh, although it's becoming less. And uh, Father Moan, would you agree with me that uh, Father Epler has, in Deanery 4, which we're all located, he has quickly become the host priest, the center of life, and making sure all of us priests behave ourselves and have a good time. Yes, he is a social butterfly by nature, and he's been great to get our priests together in the local area. Yeah, so it's, it's been, been a great influence on well, us. You know all roads lead to Grafton, unless you're actually going somewhere. <laughs> now, so, now, now. I mean, that's kind now, of how now, it goes. Now, now I, I've had a lot of good times in Grafton, <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything uh, disheartening about that. Okay, okay. so this morning we're going to kick things off. We have, um, uh, again, uh, we're going to start here with a fantastic interview this morning. Uh, on air we have with us uh, Tim Olson. Tim, are you with us this morning on air? Yes, I'm here, Father. Hey, good morning. It is so great to hear from you. How are you doing this yeah, morning? Doing well, thank you. Okay, so all, uh, all, all disclaimers aside and full uh, disclosure, uh, I've known Tim for many years, and uh, it, it's been a, a fantastic journey of knowing you and your, your faith life. Now, something about Tim that's, that's pretty interesting is he has become, as a lay person, he has become the chancellor of the Diocese of Fargo, which is unique. But that's not why we have him on air this morning. The reason we have Tim on air this morning is we, we want to peruse your, uh, your faith journey. So, Tim, could you orientate our listeners a little bit to your, just kind of your, your general background and why it is that you'd be interesting to have on the radio with us? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm still not convinced how interesting I'd be to have on the radio, but uh, that wasn't really my judgment call. <laughs> um, uh, so my background is I'm from Jamestown um, here in North Dakota. Uh, I grew up as a Catholic. Uh, I would say that as far as conversion stories go, I don't really have an interesting one. You know, a lot of us really have that desire to have a really, you know, big aha moment, you know, falling off the horse, you know, scales falling from our eyes. That hasn't been my experience. Um, uh, rather, my experience has definitely been one of um, gradual growth, um, coming to appreciate what I have more deeply. And uh, I would say also... Um, coming to see that some of the things that were um, really obvious and easy to me when I was younger are things that take work now that I'm older in my faith life. Okay, let's, let's do this. Uh, what kind of spiritual experiences did you have in high school? Do you have any spiritual awareness at all whatsoever in your life at that time? Um, so certainly by the time I was in high school, I had a deep love for the church. Um, for me, it was really an interest in the institution. Uh, I had some um, good priest friends and mentors already at that point in my life who really got me interested in things like apologetics. And so I knew I had a great love for the institution of the church. Um, but the truth is that I didn't, I didn't have much in the way of a spiritual experience or spiritual life. You know, I, I partook regularly of the sacrament. Um, I believed what the church taught. Um, but I really lacked the personal experience of who Christ was and what a, what a relationship with Christ would look like as opposed to um, what being a member of an organization would look like. Where did you attend college? So I went to uh, Cardinal Lynch Seminary in Fargo before it closed, and I also uh, attended North Dakota State University. Now, why? Um, and that, Tim, you got to stop right there. You can't just brush over that. Why would you go to Cardinal Lynch Seminary? Yeah, so I think for me, um, that really came down to uh, I knew I loved the church, um, and I knew that my life was in some way supposed to be ordered serving the church, but I didn't really understand what that would mean. And for me, that experience of going to seminary was really life-changing in a, in a very, very positive way, um, even though obviously I didn't get ordained. Um, 
I, I often tell people that I don't think I would be Catholic today if I hadn't gone to Cardinal Minch Seminary, um, because that's where I actually met who Christ was. Uh, through the experience of fraternity there, the instruction in, in not only the um, the knowledge aspects of the faith, which I had pretty well developed even at that time, but uh, the, the personal relationship aspects of the faith, that's the first time that actually came alive for me. And so okay, I'm going to interrupt you there again, because I know you you are a very intellectual, I'd say heady, rational person. I don't often think of you as one who has like kind of that, quote, personal relationship with Jesus. So what what kind of personal encounters did you have with him at Cardinal Mitch? So first, Father, I don't know if I should thank you for saying that I don't seem to have a personal relationship <laughs> with Jesus. <laughs> no, I did say you didn't. I said, you just don't strike me as one who does. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, you know, to tell you the truth, that's the hardest part of the faith for me. Um, uh, I am I am thoroughly and completely convinced of all of the truths of the faith on an intellectual, rational level. Um, it's, it's the personalization that has always been difficult for me. So in seminary, um, I was going to Mass every day, going to adoration every day, um, going to confession, you know, two or three times a week, uh, sometimes more, depending on how bad of a week it was. Uh, and... Um, through those experiences, I started to kind of get a better taste of who Jesus was. You know, I started to learn different forms of prayer than the rote memorization sort of prayers that I had learned in my grade school years. Um, and I started recognizing that it could be more conversational. But the truth is that's still very difficult for me. I still have a hard time with the um, conversational aspects. But I have, I have had, you know, moments where it was really clear to me that, um, that it was really clear to me that God, um, was speaking to me, you know, not in a, not in a you know, voice out of heaven sort of way, but where it became clear that this is what God desired for me, you know, whatever that particular thing was. And of course, I, I, I had some other experiences that kind of shook me, in a, again, in a positive way. I, I um, participated a little bit in the, the Life in the Spirit um, charismatic renewal movement. Um, uh, I got very involved with um, the traditional Latin Mass, and both of those two things just really opened up um, different ways of experiencing Christ. And taught me that um, because the, the way that I personally experience the person of Christ might not look how other people do it, um, but nobody's relationship with anyone looks exactly like everyone else's. And so my relationship with my wife doesn't look like uh, her relationship with her father or or um, other people's relationships with their spouses. You know, every relationship is so unique. And so by receiving all these experiences from such widely different areas. Um, it, it really taught me that there's there's freedom to pursue the relationship with Christ um, that He means for me, not in some generic sense. You, you know, you bring up an interesting point. It seems that you were able in your in your spiritual life to marry the charismatic and the traditional. Now, I'm actually curious what elements of those you were able to marry within yourself, um, because sometimes it seems as those two elements are almost opposed to each other. Which I mean, they're really not, but. Uh, but can you address that for a moment? Yeah, so I, I would say that for me, um, the charismatic movement um, really helps me recognize um, the Holy Spirit as, a, as an individual, um, which, you know, theologically is taught very clearly um, when you get to our source materials, but when you get to our regular experience, the Holy Spirit is normally treated almost as if he's... Um, um, esoteric force, you know, rather than a person. And so that's where I learned uh, that you that, that a personal relationship with, with God is not just a personal relationship with the Father or just a personal relationship with the Son, but with the Holy Spirit as well. 
Now, as far as the traditional elements, I would say um, um, the, the, the movements of traditional Catholicism speak to me in a, in a more deep way than the charismatic renewal did. Um, I, I found it um, very freeing um, to be in a, a place where, uh, for example, at the Trinitine uh, or Jesus Antique or the Latin Mass, that we often call it, um, that there's, there's space there that I don't feel in other forms of um, uh, Catholicism to really encounter the person, right? There's, so there's all of these um, um, ritualized motions, you know, uh, here, is, here is what the priest is doing, here is what we as the people are doing, and they're kind of distinct, and there's a lot more quiet um, in the pews, um, uh, in the in the Trinitine Latin Mass, um, uh, and that's given me the freedom to, while, while in that sort of scenario, to... Um, to, to encounter the person more, you know, rather than just the institution or the, the object of the map. Uh, instead of, I'm able, instead I'm able to encounter the subject of the map. And I don't want to give the impression that like I'm some kind of, um, you know, spiritual guru or something like that. I'm certainly not. It's, it's always a struggle for me. You know, I have three kids getting through uh, just a regular Sunday mass, which is what I normally attend now. You know, the Nova Sordo. That's almost exclusively what I attend now, um, just because that's what works for my family. Um, but those challenges exist wherever you are. Uh, but I think that I think that recognizing that um, there's ways that God speaks to us that aren't exactly the same for everyone, and finding comfort in that uh, rather than uh, seeing it as a source of division. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Father Jason Leffer, joined by Father Jeff Epler and Father Brian Moen. We are hosting from Beaver's Cafe in Minto, North Dakota. We're very proud to be out here uh, on the prairie. And we are uh, speaking with uh, Tim Olson, who is the Chancellor of the Diocese of Fargo. So, so Tim, we've got about uh, a minute here before break. Um, what was it that gave you permission to depart from the seminary? Uh, a, a lot of time. Um, you know, at the time, I remember my spiritual director, uh, we were talking, and it was just becoming more and more clear to me that um, uh, although, I, I, although I was where I had, had been meant to be, I was no longer where I am meant to be, if that makes sense. So there was no question I was called to the seminary. But as time went on, it became more and more clear that I wasn't called to the priesthood. And it, was, and it wasn't some aha moment. It was, again, uh, with, with time and prayer, uh, I had a sense of, um, of peace. I had a sense of peace leaving the seminary and a sense of dis-ease remaining in the seminary. And so for me, the freedom was simply the quiet motion of God, not any sort of moment where he said, this is what you must do, but rather um, constantly trying to be present with him. Uh, he just, over time, made it clear that he had other plans for me. So, Beautiful. Tim, we were, we're going to pick that up right on the other side of this break. So, for all of our listeners, uh, know at the bottom of the hour, we'll be doing a uh, call-in, questions and answers. Uh, and that number is one 795 for Straight Talk, one 795 So, please get your questions and comments ready. On the other side of this break, we'll continue on with Tim Olson. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. 
We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Mount Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible, and we hope the future brings you here, close to home at mountmarty.edu. Have you ever wondered if your family's past struggles have affected you personally? I'm Father Chris Alar. You and your ancestors are all part of the body of Christ, so you should desire healing for them for the consequence of their past sins. Evidence suggests that these consequences can even be passed down through generations. Well, God does not hold you personally responsible for the sins of your ancestors. He does allow the effect of their deeds to reverberate from one generation to the next. The sins or sanctity of your family members may impact you. So learn how to break free from any sinful bonds in your life. There is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are real, we are alive, and we are Beaver's Cafe in Minto, North Dakota, which uh, if, if you're in this area or traveling through up I-29, to the Canadian border, you need to stop in. The, the food here is great. The, uh, the ambiance is great. And you'll meet Beaver and his mom. And we're going to meet them uh, at the top of the next hour. Again, at the bottom of this hour, so in a few minutes, we are going to be taking your calls, your questions, your comments, your concerns. one 877 one Now, before we get there... Uh, we've got Tim Olson on online. He is a layman who is the uh, chancellor for the Diocese of Fargo. But today we're just interested in his personal journey. And so, uh, Tim, you were about to tell us how you transitioned from from the seminary and finding your way into focus. Could you walk us through that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, as I said, um, my call at that time was, it was very clear to me that um, I was essentially being um, asked by God to leave seminary. He wasn't telling me at that point what he wanted me to do. And again, I, I knew that I loved the church. I um, had encountered uh, working at, uh, or excuse me, at, at school at NDSU. Uh, I'd encountered a lot of um, people who were very lonely. And from that, I really um, kind of just developed a desire to be with college students and um, be present to them in friendship, because I think that, at, at least at the time, that was something that was really uncommon for college students to really have good deep personal relationships with their peers. Uh, and that, of course, makes it more difficult to have a good, deep, and personal relationship with God. And so 
that's what, what brought me to be interested in focus. And so I served as focus for three years. Um, and could I you define, at, define for our listeners what focus is in case they're not aware of it, just quickly? Sure. Focus is the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, and it's a, uh, it's a ministry uh, to uh, help students in the, their university years to encounter Christ more fully and to uh, go on to a lifelong Catholic mission uh, in whatever form that would take for them. And, and did focus lead you to uh, meeting your wife and discerning the vocation of marriage? Uh, I would say yes and no. Uh, it put me in the right place and at the right time. Uh, if you ask my wife, she says at times focus made it more difficult uh, to even want to date me. Um, but, uh, but it put me in the right place and at the right time, and it, and it helped me to become more of the sort of person that my wife would want to marry, uh, even if the busyness of it wasn't something that uh, particularly appealed to her. <laughs> So how many, how many years were you involved with Focus? So I was in Focus for three years. My first year, I was uh, split between North Dakota and New Jersey, one half of the year in North Dakota and the other half in New Jersey. And uh, then my second and third year in Focus, I was at North Dakota State University as the team director. So were you, were you responsible for building it into the tremendous program that it is today? Well, I'd like to think so. Uh, but the, the truth is... Um, uh, uh, we had a wonderful staff, wonderful students. The missionaries who worked with me uh, were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, one of them, Lucas Martin, uh, is one of the greatest men I've ever known. And I, in fact, I named my son after him uh, because he made such an impact on my life. And he wasn't—he was a missionary with me, uh, but in a lot of ways, he was a missionary to me. So he really had a huge impact on my life as well. Very good. And then, how? Why? So, when you just turned out of focus, where where did your journey take you from there? I mean, how how do you end up becoming a chancellor of a diocese? Sure. So at that point, uh, again, I've, I've always known that I was meant to serve the Church in some way. Um, when I was getting really serious about getting married, um, it was very, very clear that that was not going to be through the priesthood or religious life. And uh, I was considering the ways that I could still be of service to the Church. And I've always had, as you said, uh, Father Leffert, uh, I've always had a very analytical mind. Um, rationality is kind of my forte. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I started pursuing canon law which is the Church's legal system. And so I, I studied canon law at the Catholic University of America um, starting in 2012, and I received my what's called a licentiate, which is kind of between a master's and a doctorate, um, in canon law in 2015. Now, Tim, when you were in third grade and the teacher asked, what, what is it that everybody wants to become? I'm sure you raised your hand and said, when I grow up, I want to become the chancellor of the Diocese of Fargo. How, how does one become a chancellor of a diocese? What is a chancellor, and how do you become that thing? Sure. So a chancellor um, is, uh, strictly speaking in canon law, they're the chief archivist and notary of a diocese. But in, in uh, European legal systems, of which the Catholic Church partakes, um, a notary is something a little different. So we're the ones who um, do a lot of the legal writing, um, uh, ad- advise on legal issues, and, uh, and then, of course, we do things like take care of the archives. In the United States, it, it's kind of um, uh, the, the chancellor's often given a lot of extra other duties as well. So kind of a lot of administrative sorts of duties as well. Awesome. And, and are you having fun as a layman who's a chancellor of a diocese, who's married with a beautiful wife and children? Are, are you having fun in this journey, Tim? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, it has a uh, hard moments as well, uh, and of course I haven't been a, a can or excuse me a, a chancellor very long. Um, but there's something very fulfilling for me. Um, 
you know, I think for all of us, as we look back on our history, that's when we really start seeing what our story actually is rather than being able to tell it in real time. And for me, what I've been seeing is that um, my, my role as a layperson uh, has been to make priests available, um, to, to do priestly things. You know, we, we need to act out of um, who we are, not what we're trained to do. And as a layman, there's a lot of tasks that I can do and that a priest can do uh, that are based on our training. What training do we have? But because we're because of who we are, there's something so different about us um, because of the uh, because of the priestly character. Um, there's so much that a priest can do that I can't do, and I want to uh, I want to get as many priests um, out of doing training and into doing priestly ministry as possible. And so canon law is a great way for me to do that because there's there's jobs that take training rather than priestly ministry, but only priests have been doing them for a very long time uh, because they're the ones who've been getting that training, going off to canon law school, those sorts of things. And so I see um, my role as a layman um, being to help provide freedom for priests to be priests. Um, and, and, and that's what I find very fulfilling right now, knowing that um, by doing paperwork in the office, I'm making priests available to the people to do the things, those pastoral things that we need them to do. Well, Tim, you, you were saying that you weren't an interesting person. This is beyond interesting. This is incredible. And of course, we're going to have you back and maybe for some canon law questions and stuff in the future, but even more of your story. Thank you so much for coming on with us. We ask God's blessings upon you, your vocation, and your ministry. Uh, may he bless you and your whole family. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you, Father. Very good. And on the other side of this break, we are going to have straight talk, which means your questions, your comments, your concerns. one 795 1-877-795-0122. If you don't call in, you're going to be forced to listen to us, and we would rather listen to you. Okay, we'll come back to us on the other side of this break. 